If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. Cameron, thanks for being here today. I know you're such a busy guy. Well, thank you for the invitation. I'm here with Cameron Dill of the Utah League of Cities and Towns. I really appreciate your time. No, it's my pleasure. As I've had an opportunity to serve on city council for the last couple of years, and now as mayor, I've really been able to get more involved with the league. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize what you did. I didn't realize how influential and how important the league is. So I wanted to invite you here to just get a little bit more information for people that maybe are not familiar with the league. Absolutely. Well, the the league exists because of people like you, Mayor. And we, the strength of the league really is the membership. It's the mayors and the council members and those who residents have elected to serve their communities. So we are the unified voice at the Capitol for mayors and council members. Our staff provides that advocacy, also brings together cities to advocate for themselves at the Capitol. We also provide training and, and offer resources to, to mayors and council members because, as you know, having held two different elected positions now at City Hall, one day you are just a, a member of the public and the next day you're making important decisions and need to know how to run a meeting and need to know how this fits with that piece and how the puzzle pieces all fit together. So we try to try to help our local officials do what they're elected to do as well as serve as that advocacy voice for them at the Capitol. Well, and, and you're fantastic in doing that. One thing that I've had the opportunity to do recently is serve as a board member. Mm -hmm. And prior to serving as a board member, I wasn't really sure how the board was supposed to engage mm -hmm. with the league and with Senate leadership or state leadership, mm -hmm. legislatures. Um, so as, as I've learned a little bit more about the role of the board, I was going to ask you, and this is my first question, I guess, is just how can the board members support what you're doing on the administrative side. Sure. Well, and let me actually take a step back okay. and explain how the league is organized because okay, we have perfect. we have over 250 municipalities in the state of Utah. In fact, we just got contacted the other day by a community that just incorporated that wants to join the league. And we always strive to have every city in town be a member of the league. So what does that mean? Well, the league is governed by mayors and council members like you, 21 mayors and council members from around the state, and I work for them. Our staff includes professionals in the government relations space, includes individuals who have decades of municipal experience, conference planners and the like, and the board sets that overall policy direction for the league. We advocate at the Capitol according to three key principles, respect collaboration outcomes. We want the legislature to respect our traditional role as cities as we respect them as state leaders. We want to collaborate and work together to focus on outcomes that are beneficial to our collective constituents. The board sets that policy direction, but then every city in town has the ability to participate in any of our policy committees or subgroups. The board is elected every year for two-year terms, and then the president of the league serves a four-year term. Again, the members, the members nominate and, and uh, vote for that president every year, and we have an executive committee as the president with a couple of vice, pres vice presidents, a media past president, and a representative from the City Managers Association. We really do strive to make sure 
that there is an ability for everyone to elevate their voices within the league because it doesn't matter if you're the mayor of Kaysville, if you're a council member from Salt Lake, or if you are the mayor of Taviona, everyone brings a unique perspective and we try to make sure that all those voices are, are heard within the league and by extension within the halls of the of the state house. Well, and what's really interesting to me is I didn't realize what a lobbying uh a lobbying power the league is mm -hmm. for cities and towns. And I really, I mean, that's the main role, right? Mm -hmm. Just to be able to go to our legislators and say, okay, we know you're passing this bill. We know you're interested in this. This is how it affects us as cities and towns locally mm -hmm. and trying to keep that decision-making local. Right. As we look into the next legislative session, obviously we've got some hot topics that mm -hmm. continue to be hotter as time yep. goes on. Yep. Yeah, Utah is the fastest growing state in the country for a reason. People want to be here. People want their families to be here. But really, what does that mean on the ground? Over the last decade, we saw an additional more than half a million new Utahns join the state. So ballpark is about 55,000 per year. Well, how many people live in Kaysville uh, right now, Mayor? About 33,000, 34,000. Yeah, so, so essentially one and a half Kaysvilles every year is being added to the state. Well, what does that actually mean on the ground for a city? Not only do those folks need places to live and go to school and go to work, but from a city perspective, they need a police officer to answer when a phone, when a 911 call is made. They need parks for their kids to play at, and they need sidewalks, they need roads, and they need that overall land use planning so that all the systems fit together. Nobody wants a new house, for example, that when you flush the toilet, the water doesn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So all of that is why the city exists to plan and connect all of those dots. So with 55,000 new people a year, you're talking about over 60 police officers that we need to add to the ranks every year collectively. You're talking about hundreds of lane miles of roads. You're talking about hundreds of, of underground sewer pipes. You're talking about millions and millions and millions of gallons of new water supply. All of those are the pieces that you as mayor get to figure out of what that means within Kaysville City but then also how Kaysville City fits into the larger challenge of growth in Davis County and across the region. Well, and I think that you brought up the, the most important critical point is how do we fit regionally? Mm -hmm. And then how do the regions fit within the state and the um, the infrastructure that's in place? Because something that happens in Kaysville ripples out. Mm -hmm. You know, the decisions that we make about growth and land choices and land use makes a difference on our neighbors. You're absolutely right. And we We often... We often preach that city leaders should think regionally as you act locally, because at the end of the day, you don't have the ability to make decisions on behalf of the residents of Clearfield or Layton. They elected other people, right? Mm -hmm. But your residents of Kaysville have certain quality of life expectations that the city provides. Those quality of life expectations are both local and regional. So how do you work closely with Mayor Petro and Layton or Mayor Shepard in Clearfield and others across the region to ensure that quality of life? while at the same time controlling what you can control at City Hall to ensure that all of your residents feel good about living in Kaysville and feel like they've got access to opportunities that enhance their their lives. Yeah, that's true. That's one thing that I, I didn't realize quite well. As a planning commissioner, you know, I looked at city. I looked at Kaysville's mm -hmm. boundaries and what's going to happen here. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really think regionally at that time right. because I didn't realize we are such we are part of such a big, huge infrastructure and big picture. Now, as we're talking about these growth discussions and we're talking about people moving in and not even only moving into Kaysville, but just needing housing within Kaysville as our kids get older and mm -hmm. they want to stay and our parents age out and they want smaller homes. Uh, the growth discussions have been awesome. 
and encouraging and also frustrating at the mm-hmm. same time. And I know you deal with that every day. Yep. As you talk to cities around the state, what, what kind of solutions are we coming up with? I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot because... No, this is, but this is the conversation I have everywhere I go. I was in Utah County a few weeks ago at a regional meeting with several city leaders that, and as well as county and school district leaders talking about what growth looked like in their neck of the woods. Uh, you and I were at a meeting recently with all the mayors in Davis County talking about growth, growth solutions. So I'll give you a specific example of something that we worked on collectively last year. The bill was called House Bill 462, but I'm going to focus on one specific piece of it. In that bill, uh, we collectively created what is known as a station area plan that the state did require cities to do, but provided funding streams to help cities be able to do it. So if you're a city that has a front runner station or a track station or even a bus rapid transit uh, facility, that city now has an affirmative duty in the next couple of years to plan a half mile radius, or in the case of the bus, quarter mile radius, of what the land use should look like around that station. Now, you may, you may say, okay, what, how is that different from the status quo? Well, as we looked at the cities that had transit, you had some cities that had been really proactive at trying to think about how to maximize that transit stop. And then you had other cities that either because the market hadn't responded yet or because the city had other priorities, hadn't really invested the time and, and effort into thinking about how to maximize that transit stop. Well, now the legislature has said, okay, this needs to be a priority in your city, and you need, as a city, to think about what sort of housing fits best here. You need to think about job opportunities near transit. You need to think about water and open space and almost think about that transit stop as a city within the city. But here's the other piece that was new. You need to coordinate that through what's called your metropolitan planning organization. That's really a collection of the mayors and the county commissioners and others in the whole UTA region to say, does my plan in my city for this transit area fit into the regional vision for how this transit system will work? So what we tried to do in House Bill 462 is bring all those pieces together, and we got to a bill that all parties could agree on was it was a positive bill and one that could help us accommodate our growth in a more efficient way, but still respected the role of local government. Because unlike what we've seen in other states where a state legislature will step in and say, thou shalt have this many units on that spot, regardless of the infrastructure or the planning, we said, here are the state objectives and the locals need to meet those objectives, but it'll look a little bit different depending on where you are. Well, and that's what makes this a better place. Right. That's what makes this a place that people want to live. Mm-hmm. Will, that, will we be able to maintain that? As 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 the frustration continues to happen, um, because some cities are perceived as doing more than their part, mm-hmm. and some maybe not so much. Yeah, that is that is the million dollar question. That is the million dollar question. I think that's why the regional dialogue uh, has to occur, mm-hmm. because I think cities need to raise their their own internal bars. Uh, and, but do it in partnership with the legislature. No, nobody likes a higher level of government coming down and telling them, thou shalt do this, right? We don't, as a state, like it when the federal government comes in and, and does these mandates. Instead, what you want to say is, do we have an agreement on what the problem is we're trying to solve? And in the case of Utah, we are, we're trying to plan for this historic population growth that shows no signs of slowing. Okay, so if that's the problem we're trying to solve. Do we have the right tools in place for cities to work together? for residents to feel like they're part of the 
long-term process and for the state and other entities to be partners so we get to that positive outcome, which is really rooted in, in quality of life. At the end of the day, the residents who want to be in Utah are here because of the quality of life and the cities are on the front line of providing the quality of life services. So how do we make sure we're working together to get to that outcome? Well, like you said, that's that's a really good question. Yeah, million dollar question. Cameron, and, and the very reason you were hired mm-hmm. to be the executive director of mm-hmm. the Utah League of Cities and Towns, I know, because you've, you've got such great people skills mm-hmm. and you're such you're known as being a collaborator and someone who can bring people together. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the League has been very lucky to have you over the last couple of years. I was going to ask you to back it up from mm-hmm. that. So the skills that you brought to the League as, as executive director, I know, came from lots of other opportunities where you were serving, sure. as well as, as your legal background. Mm-hmm. Why? Why did the league interest you? I guess I'm. What were you looking for when you decided to say yes? I will accept the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you ask that. First, thank you for the kind words, uh, because it's really a team effort. Board members, league staff, all of us working together. When you talk about the challenge of being in this particular role, uh, it's funny for me as I look back on how I got here, because I actually started as the le- at the league as an intern. So if we could go back in time to the winter of 2006, never in a million years would I have said at that time, hey, I bet I'll be director in a decade or so. I was a student at the University of Utah. I was doing a lot of political campaign work and other volunteer type work. And I had actually just finished working on a campaign in my hometown of Murray. And through that connection, I was able to secure an internship at the league. I did that internship for a few months, graduated from college, decided to wait a year before I applied for law school, and that internship turned into a job at the league. So I was a a low-ranking analyst uh, trying to figure out my place in the world, knowing that I was going to leave for grad school. I graduated from law school in the depths of the recession in 2010, and it was incredibly fortunate for me after months of trying to figure out what I was going to do and passing the bar that a position opened up at the league where one of my former colleagues was taking a job somewhere else. So the former executive director actually hired me on a temporary basis to fill that former colleague's position. And I remember the conversation where he said, "I, I know you probably don't want to be at the league forever, but I really need somebody who knows the league, who knows what we do, who can step in and do this for a few months, and then you can get on with your life. Great. I needed a job. Bada bing, bada boom. Well, needless to say... Several months later, they offered me a full-time job as an analyst, and you know, as they say in Seinfeld, yada yada yada. A decade, uh, or about seven years later, I became the lobbyist. A few years after that, uh, they hired me as executive director, and now I'm going on five years as executive director. Five years, it's strong. Well, so backing up even back into high school, do you come from a politically active family? Yes, a family yeah, very of much public so. servants. Mm-hmm. You do. Okay. Yeah, in fact, my gr- grandfather on my mother's side was the mayor of Glensferry, Idaho, for 24 years. In fact, we were on family vacation this summer and drove through Glens Ferry, and I made my family stop so I could go into City Hall, uh, take my daughters in to have a picture in the council chambers where he used to be the mayor, and they actually had pictures of the mayors on the wall. So we have a selfie of all of us around the picture of Grandpa on the wall. That's neat. Um, His wife, my grandmother, was very active in the community. Then on my dad's side, my grandfather... Uh, actually worked within the civil rights movement in the 1960s in the Deep South, and then my grandmother was very active in the community here. So I very, my parents actually met at a political event at the Capitol in the late 70s. So 
Yes, for better or for worse, yeah, politics is in my blood. Politics is, and it's something that you love, isn't it? You're so good at it. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say love may be a a strong word, but I certainly enjoy feeling like I'm making a difference. And I think if the time ever came where I felt like I was no longer making a positive difference, that would be the time to to step away. To to do something else. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you are making such a difference. I mean, the League is such a huge advocate and such a— such a great organization. Mm-hmm. I uh, one thing that really impressed me with is with how, is with how much you accomplish with just a really small staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, looking at your website, the trainings that you offer are incredible. Yeah, well, thank I would you. like to be able to, as a mayor, really in, really figure out a way to get council members more involved in the trainings mm-hmm. for the league. I like I like to go to the trainings just because I'm a little bit of a nerd that way. <laughs> but I think a lot of council members don't really understand the value of that training. You know, one of the the frustrations I know for some of our legislators is that when council members are making decisions and there's a room full of you know a packed room of their neighbors and they're complaining, they they get nervous. Sure. And it's really intimidating to respond to the public mm-hmm. and to make decisions that are not going to be popular. And I really found those trainings very helpful in terms of learning how to deal with the public and learning the role and learning about land use and learning what's, leg- what's truly legislative versus administrative mm-hmm. yep. and, and walking that fine line. We had a situation with our planning commissioner uh, just a little bit ago where our community development director said, okay, this is the law, this is what you should do, and they completely ignored the advice. And mm-hmm. so now we have a little bit more complications yep. going on yep. because yep. they didn't they ignored those recommendations only because I think that they don't have yet the training and the understanding. Mm-hmm. And so and so that's a process. But Yeah, I, I agree it is a process. And part of the challenge is that one day you're a member of the public and the next day you're newly elected or newly appointed to a planning commission. We do our we do our trainings every cycle after the elect after the election. We have our couple of conferences each year. But we also recognize that the vast majority of our mayors and council members and planning commissioners are all full-time something else, part-time community servants, which then takes up a whole lot of their time. It's true. Thus, we've tried, and the pandemic sped this up, to provide more and more trainings virtually and on video that people can watch on their own time rather than, than feeling like everybody's got to come to a hotel for, for the conference. And, and that's been brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think it's made it so much more uh, accessible for people. That's what we've tried to do because we recognize that you know, people are pulled in lots of different directions but they're making important decisions that impact the the future of the state. So how do we make sure they're prepared to make those decisions? How, what, what's the best advice that you would have for council members and mayors who want to get involved with the league um, in terms of preparing themselves to be able to be informed? Do you have any? Yeah, I think the the f- most important thing that I, most important bit of advice I'd give any mayor and council member is understand why you're running. Okay. Understand the challenges in your city. Because you need to understand yourself before you can reach out and and partner and, and help others. I also come from a sports background. I used to coach football and basketball, and I certainly miss those days, but don't have time for that anymore. There's the term we used to use called self-scouting, and you see this in sports all the time, where you'll watch your own film and say, wow, I never realized we had that tendency or that weakness or that strength. And you you understand yourself better so that you can then prepare for the opponent. And you often hear coaches say, well, we just got to focus on what we do. We focus on what we do. Well, I think there's a parallel for mayors and council members. Understand your city. Understand your city's strengths. Understand your city's challenges. Understand your city's needs. So that way, when you reach out to the league, you can say, 
we have these challenges. Who else is having these challenges? So how can I improve my city? Or we have these strengths. How can I share these best practices with other cities? Or I bring these relationships. I want to think regionally. I, I want to work closely with the legislature. How do I do that? So we take mayors and council members from all, from, you know, from all shapes and sizes of, of cities and we'll meet you where you are. And if you say, I have this much time and I want to be involved on this policy issue because it really impacts my city, great. There are going to be other cities who care about that issue who want to be involved. So uh, the my bit of advice for those mayors and council members is to essentially self-scout your city and understand okay. why you're running. But then once you become involved, it's, okay, how do I want to engage with fellow cities? And then we at the league can help you figure out how to do that. So someone could could call and just say, "Okay, this is my this is my um, passion project. This mm-hmm. is what is important to us here." Yep. And just call and get some advice, and then you're really good at your team is really good at putting people at the table, right? Yeah, and trying to figure out Making okay those connections. Yeah, how do you how do you help that person maximize their their passion and their skill set? In some cases, it may just be on the training side. Some cases, it may be on the advocacy side. I mean. We need every mayor and council member to be an advocate for their city, build relationships with legislators, make sure legislators know what the challenges are in your city so that when the legislative session comes, there's already that relationship of trust. The legislator answers the phone and you can say this bill would be really good for our city or this bill would be really bad for our city. And again, let's let's work together on those on those positive outcomes. And and that does make a huge difference. I was talking to a mayor in rural Utah and said, you know, how can a board member serve your city? What can we do for you? Mm-hmm. And this individual said, gosh, that's a great question. Yeah. You know, not a lot of people ask that question. And mm-hmm. so was very happy because we do need to be able to advocate, especially for cities that are beyond our regional borders right here. Right. Kind of a lot of things happen right here because we're so close to the capital, mm-hmm. Salt Lake and Davis County are right here. So well, one of the, the great things about our structure is our board is required to have at least one town representative and is required to have representatives from all corners of the state. Which balances it yep, in yep, a great way. Yep. It does so make it good. It's neat that you as a board member from Kaysville City will on one side have the mayor of Provo, Mayor Kafusi, and then on the other side have Mayor Lenhardt from Garden City. Right. And all three of you are working toward that same shared objective of helping cities be the best they can be. And from a policy perspective, helping um, helping preserve and enhance the quality of life for residents. That's true. It makes a difference. I have two questions for you. First of all, do you have a photographic memory? (laughs) Um, I've often wondered, you have such great recollection of details, mm. numbers, people, places, faces. Well, thank you. As a a kid, I remember my, my, um, one of my uncles doing, uh, for lack of a better term, like stupid human tricks because he thought it was so cool that he could ask me different things and I'd remember them. So I'm blessed to have a good memory, whether it's truly photographic or not, I don't know, but I'm blessed to have it and it's really come in handy in this. So you've always had a good memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you're just able to recall things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that is a gift. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder about that because I know I can mention a city and you know the council members, you know the city manager, right. if they have one, you know the mayor. Yeah. Well, you, and, and I do work hard to try to build those relationships and remember people. But I'm also very blessed to to have a good memory. To have a good memory. Mm-hmm. And then my other question is, um, how do you feel about the the youths losing their tight end? Oh, <laughs> you had to go there. I had uh, to go during, there. So during the Arizona State game, I was texting with quite a few friends, and we all volunteered to donate our knees. Really? So that Brad could, <laughs> you could, could fix keep that playing. Injury. But I feel terrible for Keithy. And you know, this is a detour that, that, you, that you started, but... 
He's a great guy. He's a great leader. He came back for the season because he felt like there was a special group of guys that could go even further than they went last year. And so for him to now have to watch from the sidelines is devastating. I think the team will be okay because they've shown to be a, a resilient bunch, but I, I feel bad for him. And my hope is if he listens to this or somebody else listens to this, is that he knows how much the fans love and appreciate everything he's contributed to the university and that he gets to full health quickly and is able to have a, a successful NFL career and, and life after football. Is he done with college? Then? He has another year. He could come back, okay. but the last Maybe two seasons not. he could have gone to the NFL and he's come back um, to pursue a championship and Rose Bowl and potentially other things. So um, I, I have no inside information, but uh, my yeah, we, we were all devastated for him when we saw him go down on Saturday night. Well, it's so sad. Yeah. It's so sad, especially just for someone who cares enough to come mm-hmm. back and help his team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really wants to prop him up. And- absolutely. Part of the reason I love uh, I love sports is because of the the team side of it, right? We're, we're all in this together and, and the team has to the team has to continue even when you have injuries or setbacks. And so I feel terrible for, for Keithy and, and again, hope he recovers quickly. But the team has to has to find a way to keep going, and I'm confident they will. I'll be there this Saturday, hopefully with my four-year-old cheering them on. She gets a little anxious about the noise, so she'll often cover her ears during, oh, the, during the third down jump. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, we have a lot of fun. But you love it. Mm-hmm. You are fantastic. Thank yeah. you, Kim. Yep, you're very welcome. Appreciate Thanks for the time. invitation, and thank you for your service. Kaysville is a great place. My aunt and uncle live here, and my cousins grew up here. And, and you know, you're charged to be the, the steward of a, of a great community at a very historic and and consequential time. So thank you for your willingness to serve. Well, thank you. Yep. (laughs) 